for our Easter series. A lot of people don't understand why Easter matters, and so we've been working through that, and we, we just looked at the words of Jesus from the cross. It's real simple. Uh, when Jesus hung on the cross, um, he was explaining in his seven statements why this matters so much and why it's so important. The first thing he did was to forgive. And he taught us that we are forgiven, though we're the ones that put him on that cross. Um, while he hung there with nails through his arms and feet, bone rubbing on nails, after having the worst day of his life, we taught all through that, he actually proclaimed forgiveness for us. And then he, he's teaching us from the cross that we can forgive. You don't have to hold bitterness toward anyone. Matter of fact, if you do, you're hurting yourself. And he gave us this beautiful picture of forgiveness. Secondly, we looked at why Easter matters and we saw what he said to the thieves hanging next to him. He taught the thief that there was a future for guys like him that was much more positive. Um, the thief had probably not made many good decisions in his whole life. As a matter of fact, we're pretty sure he made lots and lots of bad decisions. And yet, um, the one decision that mattered was when he acknowledged Christ, Jesus, to be right and holy and sinless and uncondemned. He's a condemned man and he knows Jesus doesn't deserve this condemnation. And when he acknowledged that, Jesus says, this day you will be with me in paradise. So the cross teaches about forgiveness and then the cross teaches us about our future. And it gives us a future that's very strong. A future that actually says we could live with Christ forever and we do not have to ever worry or suffer the consequences of hell. Just what Brandon was saying a few minutes ago when he was, when he was talking, we don't have to suffer the consequences of hell because we have uh, been made this beautiful promise, this beautiful promise uh, by God. From the cross, Christ offered the thief paradise that very day. Man, what a, what a way to end the day. And by the way, the thief was having the worst day of his life as well. So he was tortured and hanging there and suffering to die uh, for crimes he had committed. And he had to finish the consequences of his sins. His sin consequences were still there, but his freedom came in his resurrection after his death. Um, very powerful. Then we looked last week at the, the third picture, and we talked about the fact that we have become friends with God. We are reconciled to God through the cross. Um, at once, one time we were enemies of the cross, but now, because of the cross, um, we have been reconciled unto God. And we're no longer enemies of God. If we trust Christ our Lord and Savior, we become His friend. And we studied that last week. So the, the one I want to take you through this week and next week, I thought I could do it all in one week. And then I put my notes together and said, hey, y'all don't deserve to be here till 2. Um, so we're just going to do it in two parts. That makes it easy for me. And it, it gives us another Sunday to look at this beautiful thing. But I want to talk to you today about freedom. Because the cross is all about your freedoms and uh, the freedom that was purchased for you, the freedom that was given to you. And the very first thing I want you to understand is that we're free from sin. We're free from sin. Because of the work that Christ did on the cross, we are free from sin. In, in John 19.30, we looked at this last week, the last thing Jesus says, John 19.30, is a, it's in Greek it's just one word, to telestai. Pay, it is finished. And it's literally an accounting term that they would, an accountant would use when, when you paid off your bill with somebody. He would stamp to tell a style on your bill. You may have had some bills like this. 
those of us that buy lawn equipment, sometimes the people that we're buying it from have to, we, we pay for it a little bit at a time, and then they stamp it on our thing, paid in full, paid, done. And it's exciting when you get that bill back that it's paid in full. Well, you had a sin debt that you owed in heaven to God. And when Jesus, just before he bowed his head on his own shoulder, he actually says, it is finished. It's paid in full. I've paid the full debt. And, and last week I shared with you what that means is you've been reconciled to God. This week I want to share with you what that also means, because that means a ton of things, by the way. Um, what it also means is you're free from the price and the power of sin. You're free from the price and the power of sin. And I just want to say to you as Christians today, most of us don't live in that freedom. Matter of fact, most of us struggle and wallow and wrestle and fight and eventually give up and just let sin have its way with us. Most of us give in to repetitive sin, to secret sin, to, to addictive sins, and we just lose. But the Bible teaches we don't have to live that way anymore, ever. And it's because of a work that was done on the cross. And I want to just give you four truths this morning to let you see it real crystal clear. And before we do that, though, I want to, I want to mention to you that, that there is a... Uh, I need you to have an understanding of sin, just in the, in the best way you can. So I'm going to put it this way. It's not going to be in your notes. It's not going to be on the screen. So you might want to make notes above your notes on this. Sin is a spiritual force... In the world, in the universe, and it's in the spiritual universe, of course. But it's a spiritual force, much like a, a tornado is a, a force in our nature. Like an F5 tornado, sin is like an F5 spiritual force that just comes blowing into a person's life, rips everything up and destroys tons of stuff, and then the dust settles and there's all this destruction. That's what sin is. And that's what happens when we sin against God. Even in secret sins, we're destroying things. The wages of sin is death. Something dies every time we sin. Every time we sin, there's death. And the ultimate death was Christ. He had to pay for our sins. But I just want you to recognize that sin is a spiritual force in your life. And the Bible's very clear on all the warnings that sin is destroying lives. It's damaging and defeating. And we don't need to live in sin. We need to resist sin. We need to wrestle with sin. The Apostle Paul, John, Romans chapter 7, 11. If you need a Bible reference, put next to that spiritual force, Romans 7, 11. Um, the Apostle Paul says sin. This is Paul, the Apostle, writing to the Romans. And he says, sin deceived me and destroyed me. And destroyed me. By the way, he's talking about a spiritual sin he was struggling with that has to do with legalistic behavior. With, with categorizing behaviors to try to make yourselves holy. And he realized his, his legalism was destroying his very soul with God. Sin destroys us. And Paul even says that. There's a verse in Hebrews chapter 12 that just really rattles me anytime I read that. And it, it asks this question. Have you resisted sin to the point of... Anybody know how that ends? Have you resisted sin to the point of the shedding of blood? 
You know how we're supposed to battle sin? With everything we have. We're supposed to resist sin to the point of shedding blood if we have to. We've got to get rid of sin in our life. We have to wrestle against sin. We have to fight against sin. Sin's a spiritual force. And Christ fought sin all the way to the bloody cross for us. He fought it all the way there. He fought it on the cross. He conquered it. He was buried and raised again to prove to us we're no longer captured or controlled by sin unless we choose to be. Unless we choose to be. So I want you to see that in in context now in Romans. uh, If you'll turn to Romans chapter 6. It's a beautiful, beautiful passage. One of my favorites to to teach on. I probably say that a lot, don't I? It's one of my favorite passages. I love this passage, by the way. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. This is the New Century Version that I've got up here. I like to read it in several different translations and uh, versions just to help you see things. And I memorized this passage a long time ago in King James. So I'm going to try not to put a th in there somewhere for you when I'm reading it. Uh, But they just come out sometimes, a the and a th. So here's what it says in the New Century. So do you think we should continue sinning so that God will give us even more grace? That's Paul asking the Romans this question. He's asking the Romans, do you think we should sin a bunch so we get a bunch of grace? And he's, look, he's really asking them, are, are y'all that stupid? It's really kind of a subtle note there. Because, but here's, here's how the Greeks and the Romans think. In the previous chapter, Paul has explained it this way. Wherever there's sin, there's always more grace. Grace covers all our sin all the time. You've heard me say that thousands of times from this pulpit in 12, 15, 16 25 years, however long I've been here. You've heard me say that a whole bunch. So grace covers all our sins all the time. That's what he teaches in Romans 5. So the, the Gentiles, the Greeks who are party animals, they're just party animals. It's like University of Alabama on steroids, okay? They're party animals. The Greeks, the, the Greeks have decided, well, if the more we sin, the more grace there is. Here's how you get a lot of grace. Let's just sin a lot. Woohoo! Party. You know, eat, drink, be merry, and do all kinds of sinful things. And you get more grace. And Paul's like, have you lost your minds? Why would you think that way? You can't sin more and get more grace. Grace covered all your sins already. And so he's going to explain very clearly why that's stupid. And, and uh, what I want you to hear is the explanation. And he says, the King James says, God forbid, meganoite in the Greek. God forbid. How, how, one translation says, how could that ever be true? Right? So he says, no, we died to our old sinful lives. So how can we continue living with sin? Did you forget that all of us became part of Christ when we were baptized? We shared his death in our baptism. So, and it says, when we were baptized, we were buried with Christ and shared his death. So just as Christ was raised from the dead by the wonderful power of the Father... We also can live a new life. So two truths. Four altogether today. Two to start with. Number one, Jesus died in my place. So my sin life was crucified. My sin life is dead. And there's, there's a very fancy theological phrase for this. I'm going to do a series coming up this summer called uh, Jesus Simple. <laughs> and talk about how fun, fun it is for us theologians. To try to make big words out of really simple things. Okay, Jesus died to pay for my sins. And we call that the vicarious atonement. 
So you can sound very impressive. Next time you're out eating with somebody, you can go, hey, do you know what the vicarious atonement is? And they'll think that's like a growth you had and you had it removed, but it's not. It's, it's actually the most awesome thing that ever happened to you because it's the time when Jesus paid for my sins in my place. Your sins were paid for 2,000 years ago. You get that? That's when you died to sin. Jesus, the cross is where I died to sin. The cross of Calvary is where I died to sin. That's where I died to sin. Because it says, He paid for me. He says, we died to our sinful selves. Verse 2, Romans 6, verse 2. We died to our old sinful lives. Now you can say, well, you know, I think my sinful life is actually doing really well. (laughs) So I don't think it died well. I think it, I think it resurrected itself. And you can, you can wrestle with that. We're going to talk about some of that very specific stuff. But the truth is, and this is important, the truth is your sinful self, when you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, for me that was second grade at Greystone Christian School, and, and I had to skip recess to, to do that, sitting with Myrna Locke, in the second grade classroom at, at the old Greystone campus, she led me in a sinner's prayer, and I came to Jesus. And right there, my sin life was crucified with Christ. So when you trusted Christ, you are no longer bound to sin. No longer bound to sin. By the way, that's a cool thing. You can say amen or awesome or hoo-hoo or whatever you need to say there, but that's a cool thing. Okay, you got to get a little bit excited about that. I'm going to have to have Brandon come up here and, and chide you all in a minute if you don't. So the cross was where I died to sin. Truth number two is the last verse of Romans chapter 6, 1 through 4 that we just read. Truth number two, he says, you can live, we can also live a new life. So I have this new life. I can live a new life in Christ now. I have a new life. New life. Jesus came to, he he tells He says it very clearly in the Bible. I came to make all things new. You want to do a great study? You should study the word new. John 10.10. Jesus promises life more abundant. By the way, that's not heavenly life. He's promising life here to be more abundant. Not heavenly life. That's obviously more abundant. He's telling the disciples, here is new. But listen to all these, and, and we're going to do a Bible study. My growth group is a Bible study uh, methods class, a little five-week class. We're going to start it this Tuesday night. And if you haven't signed up for uh, growth groups, we'd love for you to do that. There's some cards that will help you do that. And there's a place you can go on our webpage and sign up. And we'd love for you to get plugged into one of our um, Bible studies that can help you grow and help you find fellowship and strength with others. Um, and when I, when I teach through the Bible study methods class in a few weeks, uh, for the next few weeks, um, one of the things I'm going to talk about is when you do a topical study. You could do a topical study of the word new in your New Testament, and it'll blow your mind. It'll just blow your mind what you can see. Uh, Jesus says when he's teaching all through the Gospels, he says, I came to give you a new covenant. And then he says, I'm going to give you a new commandment. I'm going to give you a new commandment. He actually says at one point, you don't put new wine in old wineskins. I came to put new wine in new wineskins. He's talking about us. We're the new wine in the new wineskins. He's talking about us when he teaches that. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says that we are new creation 
in Christ Jesus. You're a new creation. In Hebrews 8 and Hebrews 10, it says that there is this new and living way that Jesus opened up for us. He came to make all things new. And in Hebrews, he says, when, when he went before the Father to pay for our sins, to satisfy our sins, it opened up a new and living way for you and me. New. Not like the old way, which is bound up to sin. You have a new and living way. 1 Peter 1 talks about the new birth. 1 Peter 1 and Revelation talks about a new heaven and a new earth. you got to see Kendall about all that because he's good at that stuff. There's a new name. In, in Revelation it says you're going to be given a new name. And, and in, in Revelation it says there's a new Jerusalem. And we're going to sing a new song. Man, there's just a lot of new going on in the Bible. You know why? Because Jesus and God love New is a big thing to God and Jesus. He came to make things new. So when he says you're not part of your old self, he means it. He came to make all things new. And he is going to redeem eventually even all things. The whole earth is going to be redeemed. You get that? So he started in you. When he put the Holy Spirit in you, it makes you new. And you don't have to live to the old anymore. Jesus died to give you a new life. So don't, please don't wallow in your old life. When you get saved, repent and turn. Change things. Change the way you see life. Change the way you hear conversations. Change the way you speak in public. Change the way you speak in private. Change the things you see. Make your life new. That's what's supposed to happen. Now, many of you have been Christians for a long time. Okay? And it can be routine. But I'm telling you, there's nothing routine about being new in Christ. It actually says in Lamentations, his mercies are new every single day. I used to tell my students, it's it's like Krispy Kreme. It's like fresh baked mercies every day. And you just go go by the throne of God and you go, hey, I'm here for my Krispy Kremes and my fresh baked mercies every day. Every day, new mercies, new mercies are available to you. He came to make all things new. And Jesus died to give you that. So don't live in your past. Don't live to your fleshly weaknesses. Now listen, some sins that we sin on earth have long-term consequences. When I was privileged to go to Holman Prison and go to the inmates there, uh, on either end of that situation, the population in or death row end, there are guys there forever. There are consequences of their earthly sins caught up with them, and now they're incarcerated forever. Forever. Some of them are on death row and they're going to be eventually put to death. So there's sin consequences, which are very real. All sin has consequences. Have caught them and now they're paying for those sin consequences. But you know what they find when they meet Christ in in prison? Freedom. Freedom from the shame and the guilt of all that. Freedom to accept the path that God has them on. Freedom from sin. They can learn to walk righteously behind those closed Steel doors. Walk righteously. Because the cross doesn't, is not limited to here. It's everywhere. It's why the thief on the cross could end up in paradise. Okay, some sins have long-term consequences, but guilt and shame are not necessary if you understand your relationship with God. Guilt and shame are not necessary. So we can walk free in Christ. Amen? You believe that? And I, there's about 15 things I'd love to point out. The... 
but I'm going to just tell you two things. One, she literally went from a life of sin to a life of walking with God. And she needed grace to get there. And she called out to God, and he just provided that. And two, grandmas, don't ever stop pushing. Don't ever stop pushing. Okay, grandmas are important. And uh, grandmas can win a whole lot of spiritual battles. Um, and the Holy Spirit needs a lot of good grandmas. Amen? All right, ladies, I'm serious. Y'all, y'all stay after that because she says her grandma was the one just stayed after her and stayed after her. And uh, mamas can do the same thing. So we all need to have that kind of impact. So we can walk free from sin. Now, truth number one was Jesus died in my place. Jesus died in my place, right? Truth number one. I want you to say that with me. Jesus died in my place. You say it. Ready? Jesus died in my place. Amen. Amen. We believe that truth. Truth number two is I can live a new life. I can live a new life. Let's say it together. Ready? I can live a new life. I'm asking you to start believing in that truth because it's really strong. Truth number three, let's look at Romans 6, 5 through 7, which says these words. Christ died, and we have been joined with him by dying too. When he died, we died. That's vicarious atonement. So we will also be joined with him by rising up from the dead as he did. And it's really talking about the picture from the verses before about baptism. That's why when we baptize, you'll hear us say, and by the way, if you've never been baptized and you'd like to be, if you know Christ your Savior, you'd like to, to follow the Lord in obedience to baptism, we'd love to do that for you. We've actually talked about some creative ways to do that. So, but, uh, but when we do baptisms, and I, I taught our interns, when you, when you raise that person up out of the water, it's a picture of going under the grave and coming out. And so when we raise them up, I just say, let's just say this phrase, raised to the newness of life. That's what the picture is. That's what he's talking about in Romans 6, 3, 4, 5, and 6, and 7. So we also will be joined with him by rising from the dead as he did. We know that our old life died with Christ on the cross. That's where my old life died. Okay? Your old life died on the cross. Say, well, man, it sure is living a long time past that. Yeah, it can, but I'll tell you why in a minute, okay? So my old life died with Christ on the cross so that our sinful selves would have no power over us and we would not be slaves to sin. Anyone who has died is made free from sin's control. So truth number three is I am not a slave to sin any longer. I'm not a slave to sin. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, there's some sin in your life that's just continually beating you up. This, this one's all about you. And you've got to believe this truth to, to get this truth working in your life. If you don't believe it, sin wins every time. You have to start believing in this truth. I am not a slave to sin. I am free from sin's control. You say, man, it doesn't ever feel like I'm free when that sin comes in like a tornado, like an F5 tornado and rips through my heart or my life or my mind. I'm completely captivated to it. But whatever addiction it is, whatever fear it is, whatever, whatever thing that's happening in me, an emotional response, it just, it just wrestles me up. And I'm in trouble because of it. So it doesn't seem that way. It seems like sin is powerful. Well, here's a question I want to ask you. And I've personally had to wrestle with all this all my life as well because sin is strong by the way it's a strong spiritual force it's not a weak force it's a strong force it's just not nearly as strong as god 
That's why he put Christ in us, the Holy Spirit in us. Because that's the greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, right? So I have this victory, but here's my question for you. Are you feeding your spiritual life or your flesh life? Which one of those are you feeding? Because most of us that are being beat up by sin and continually lost to sin, we've lost the hope that we can win. In other words, we don't believe this truth that I'm teaching. Actually, the truth that God said, and I'm just repeating. I'm just repeating what God said. We don't believe this truth. Or secondly, secondly, we're just feeding the wrong side. So you you have a sin nature and a flesh nature in you. Okay, you, you have both. And if you feed the flesh, you will of the flesh, Romans says, next chapter, you will of the fle- flesh reap corruption. But if you feed the Spirit, okay, if you, if you yield and feed the Spirit, you will reap life and life more abundant. So which one are you feeding? I've had people come to me and, I'm, and say, well, I, I'm, you know, I just can't overcome this sin. I'm like, well, give me a Bible verse that's helping you, that you've even tried to use. I don't know any Bible verses. Well, there you are. You're in trouble, okay? Because here's what it says in Psalm 119. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's the theme verse of our uh, Pioneer Club, if I remember right. Um, no, lamp, lamp, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. I knew that. Sorry. So it's in Psalm 119, though, Andy. Don't, don't criticize me. Okay. <laughs> so, but Psalm 119, 9 through 11 says, Thy word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against thee. If you aren't memorizing scripture about the temptations that are coming to you, every temptation is common to man and every temptation is covered in the Bible. Every one of them. So whatever you're being tempted about, you need to find a way to to look up a verse. If you don't know how to look up that verse, there are leaders and and people in our church that would be thrilled to help you do that. You just ask any of us and we'll show you the verses regarding any topic you're wrestling with. And once you start memorizing scripture, now you've got actual weapons of warfare to fight your spiritual battles. For years in my college group, we, we just we worked real hard on the young men in my college group to have uh, moral and mental purity. It was a big thing for us. None of us wanted to, to get lost in all that. And it was when the internet was first coming on and all that. And cable TV had already kind of owned all the um, stuff they shouldn't be watching. Their parents a lot of times bought channels they shouldn't have been watching and the kids would stay up late watching, and they're like, hey, we've got to get out of this stuff. We've got to break this sin habit. So at one point, I just made these cards on my computer when I figured out how to make uh, cards on my computer, which was really cool back in that day. Uh, when I figured that out, I made these cards with a Bible verse. And the Bible verse was about protecting your eyes. And then I made Bible verses about, um, um, your heart, about, about the cross. And I said, put this... Put this verse on your TV so you can see it right above the TV. That was back when they had their TVs you could put things on top of. Y'all remember those? Okay, they aren't the little thin ones now, but the little top one where you put things on top of a TV. And then I said, and if you have a remote, let's tape this verse to the back of that remote. And we made little stickers and we taped them to the back of the remote. So when you picked it up, your hand could feel that Bible verse. You go, what is it? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and be verses about protecting your eyes and protecting your heart. And, and first, or first Thessalonians 4, 3, you know, it's God's will that you live sanctified and holy. It's God's will that you live sanctified and holy. 
It's very hard to watch a TV with that Bible verse on it with something that's not sanctified and holy if you believe that verse. And if you're trying. So thy word of and so I'm asking, what have you which side are you feeding? Which which part of your spiritual life are you feeding? The spirit side or the flesh side? I find most Christians have those two have two issues. One is they don't have any Bible verses ready. They don't study their Bible or read their Bible or use their Bible in their spiritual battles. I find that to be real common for old Christians, been Christians a long time. They just don't know any Bible stuff. That's unhealthy, by the way. That's not spiritually strong. You're not able to do that. And then secondly, I find, I find uh, Christians, um, they won't get into a community of growing grace-based believers. In other words, they avoid people that are growing and people that are fighting and wrestling with sin. They avoid people that are models for them. They stand back and they get on fringes and stay kind of in the background because they don't want to have to make those changes in their life. See, they haven't committed to changing yet. That's unhealthy for Christians. The Bible calls those Christians either baby Christians because they're brand new Christians or carnal Christians, meaning they live like they're in the flesh. So they're out there. You can be a Christian and be in that, but I'm telling you, it's miserable. And you're actually breeding destruction. Sin breeds destruction everywhere it goes, and it's a very powerful force. So am I free from sin's control? Am I free from sin's control? And are you being obedient? Because the whole thing I'm asking you is when people come to me and say, hey, sin's beat me up and I don't know what to do about it. My, my questions usually go, well, are you being obedient to the basics of Scripture? Here's, here's the basics. Ready? Read your Bible. <laughs> Gather up with people that read their Bibles and work together to get help. Have accountability in a grow group. Get a group of men or women or a co-head group around you and say, I want to change. Help me grow. All my spiritual growth has been that. The things that push me today... Or when I sit with very godly men who just push me into places I don't want to go. I sit with guys that that are stronger than me spiritually in many categories. And they're just constantly asking me questions that poke and prod at my weaknesses. My fears and my insecurities. My things that I just struggle to yield. And God has to push me along. So you can do the exact same thing. But it, it requires of us, if I'm not a slave to sin... I have got to start yielding to the Spirit. To do that, I need to read the Word of God and listen. And then I just need to obey. To obey. That's yielding to God. Now you can walk free from sin, by the way. If you obey God, you're not going to ever walk in sin. If you obey God, you're going to walk free from sin. Because obedience to God is righteousness. That's what He came for. So Romans chapter 6, verse 8. Let's just keep going down Romans To the next few verses. If we died with Christ, we know will he also live with him. We died. Remember, we died when he died. Christ was raised from the dead, and we know that he cannot die again. Look at this. Death has no power over him now. Circle that, underline that in your Bible, and say it to your friends. Death has no power over him now. My brother, Lynn Givens, is walking with Christ because death has no power over Christ. And my brother trusted Christ, and he's no longer bound by those rules. 
My mother, my father trusted in Christ. Death has no power. Man, that's a great truth. That's a great truth for all of us. Amen? Yes, it says yes. When Christ died, he died to defeat the power of sin one time enough for all time. That's forever, by the way. In, in the grammatical stuff in the New Testament in the Greek, it actually says he died one time for all times. He paid, he covered the power of sins. He, he eliminated the power of sin there and forever in Christians' lives. In Christ followers' lives, it's completely eliminated. He defeated it once for all. He has now a new life, and his new life, Christ's new life, is with God. In the same way, you should see yourselves as being dead to the power of sin and alive with God through Christ Jesus. In the same way, you should see yourselves. You should see yourselves. Now, when I started this message about being free from the power of sin. And I'm not great at reading faces, but I, I can read faces, some. And I'm telling you, we don't believe that like a woo-hoo we. We believe it. It's like, well, yeah, I don't know. Okay, right. Doesn't work for me, but thanks for sharing. It's kind of how it was. Okay? That's not what this passage is saying. Look at the, look at the last phrase. See yourselves as being dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. That's called faith. Faith is being able to see that which is unseen. Amen? Real faith in God is to say, you know, God, I've never actually seen your physical presence. But man, I know your presence. I do. I've never actually seen you do a miracle in front of me, but I've seen miracles. And it had to be you. Nobody else could do it. Do you understand? Faith, faith is seeing without seeing it. And that's all he's asking you to do is believe this truth with all your heart. See yourself as being dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to revert back to King James for a minute because this verse in the King James says, Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God. Old, old English word, but it's an old country word. Well, I reckon we're going to the store in a little while. That means we're going to the store. That's what it means. He's declaring. The word actually means to declare it to be true. You know? Well, I reckon we're at church today. Yes. You're declaring that we're at church. That's good. Right? So we're supposed to declare it. So I'm going to ask you to declare this truth with me. Truth number four is I am dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. So let's just declare this out loud. Say it out loud. By the way, please say it with confidence. Or, don't, or I'm starting over. Just making that sure clear. It's a threat, by the way. Ready? I am dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Can you do it one more time? Like, you mean it this time? I mean, that's pretty good. Let's just really seriously. I am dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Why is that true? Because this is true. If you don't believe in the cross, you don't believe in that. If you believe in the cross, that is truth. You're dead to the power of sin. You say, well, man, it whoops me all the time. Start feeding the other side. Start yielding to the Spirit. Start listening to the Holy Spirit. The power of sin has only, the only power sin can have over you is when you yield to it and give in to it now. Before you're saved, 
You don't have that option. It's going to take, it, the tornado's coming through and you're not going to be able to stop it. But now, you have the power of Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. You have the wisdom of Almighty God. The Counselor, capital C. The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, dwells within you. You don't think the Counselor can talk you out of sin? Can guide you into truth and righteousness? Yes. If you're yielded, if you're listening, if you're following, if you're reckoning, if you're declaring it to be true. You know, I say this this sentence every morning. Every morning I wake up, I say this sentence out loud. Just say it in the bathroom by myself. Out loud. Every day. Been doing it since I was a, a young youth pastor. Because I want it to be, I want this truth to be real for me. And, so, and it actually says, the, the verse says, declare it to be true. Reckon means to declare. So declare it to be true. It means to say it. To say it out loud. Confess it is true. So in the mornings when I get up, I just confess this. God, I am no longer a slave to sin. I'm dead to the power of sin and I'm alive to God through Christ Jesus. And then the next verse actually says, and I yield my body as an instrument of righteousness not unrighteousness today. Please keep the enemy off of me. Please help me fight those temptations with your righteousness. Your thoughts, not my thoughts, your thoughts. God is able to do beyond your wildest dreams when you yield to him. That's what she had to do. So how do I live free from sin? Let me give you four quick points. One, you have to know and believe the truth that we taught this morning. By the way, don't, don't let your experience in failing to conquer sin teach you that sin wins. Okay? That's experience, but truth and faith will win over it if you will fight it well and fight it long and hard. Some sins are harder than others to win. Okay? But people go, well, you know, in my experience, I go, well, great. You know, in my experience, people don't walk on water. But two did that I know of for sure. And that's beyond my experience. You know, people don't raise from the dead. Jesus raised a young boy from the dead. Then he raised Lazarus from the dead. Then he raised himself from the dead. That doesn't happen in my experience. But it happens in my spiritual life. Right? So be careful. So don't let your, don't let your experience try to talk you out of that. Believe God more than your experience. And just count it as truth. Declare it. As truth, speak that truth into your life regularly. Number two is declare yourself to be free from sin, and that means confess it out loud. I'm going to ask you to find some routine in your life, if it's sitting in your car right before you go into work, or sitting in your car when you first get in your car to crank it up to leave your driveway, say it out loud. I am dead to sin and alive to Christ, alive to God in Christ today. Say it out loud. Just If your kids are in the car, make them say it with you. I don't care. Be good for them to declare that truth. Somehow we've got to confess these things out loud to beat sin because we have to believe it. We have to speak that truth into our lives. Number three, offer yourself daily to God as an instrument of righteousness. That's the next verse in Romans. Romans 6, 10 through 14 are great memory verses. Just take one a week, memorize 10, then 11, then 12, then 13, and just just learn to say them. They're beautifully done. Um, and I mean, they will set you free. But you've got to daily offer yourself to God as an instrument of righteousness. Number four, I just encourage you this because you need something practical besides just talking or declaring. 
you actually should make a list of ways you can live righteously. See, for some, some of us, if you have a problem with the kind of language you use, then a way you can live righteously is to overcome that language problem. If, if you have a problem with the kind of stuff you watch or see on, on TV or computers, you, you, to live righteously, I need to put all that away. If you have a problem with spending too much time on your social media stuff, not enough time with God, that's sin, and you got to adjust that and address that. So make a list. When, by the way, when you see your own list, you'll know that's the Holy Spirit going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I need to fix that. I need to fix that. So make a list of ways that you can live right. Now, I'm going to give you a fifth one, and the band's coming up while I do that. Please, I know when I say that it's time for the band to come up, y'all all just shut your brains off. Don't do that for a minute. Give me, give me a free fifth bonus round. It's not in your notes. Okay, but here's your fifth bonus round. You ready? Make yourself accountable to people you admire in the faith, people that are growing. Make yourself accountable to them. Find a group of people you can hang out with and say, I want to be grown up in my faith, and I'm wrestling, and I need help. And a bunch of you are part of our church because you found that here. Stick to that, and by the way, draw other friends into that. Invite loved ones. Invite friends from work into that circle so they can see spiritual life working. They can see people that are no longer slaves to sin. Does that make sense? 